All right. Well, good evening. Uh, welcome to what in God's will is going on. Um, we've got this week and one more week after this, and we'll be done with this series. Um, hopefully, once you guys get situated, um, your cameras will come on so we can see your faces and interact with you uh, once you get somewhere stationary and situated. And, um, and then we'll go We'll go and dive in from there. Um, anybody want to pray us in? Um, we're going to do a little review, and then uh, we're going to go for it. Hopefully, y'all are ready. Um, those that missed this one, it's going to hurt. <laughs> this is, this is going to be an important one. Um Let's see. Nobody? No volunteers? Y'all can't start off like this. Go ahead, Kenji. <laughs> yeah. Dear Father God, we just thank you for this meeting to come together and study your will. Pray that we can come, on, come away from this knowing what your will is um, a little bit better and a little bit more strength to do your will in every moment and just to recognize your will in every moment and we thank you for pastor Anthony for leading our group and we thank you in Jesus name amen 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 um so <clears throat> please use the chat um if you um have questions or comments and um you just want to put them in there real quick maybe you don't want to interact for some reason drop them in the chat and I'll be watching the chat to be able to um, interact with those questions or comments. Um, so as we dive into um, God's will this week, uh, just a quick review from last week. Uh, hopefully uh, you guys got to watch the video and go back over it because there was a lot of information in there. Uh, I'm just going to touch on it real quick. Uh, nothing uh, I won't go in depth because we got a lot to cover in this week, some real practical teaching that's going to be applicable to um, some real life situations, um, real life circumstances, I'll put it that way. So um, on last week, we used five uh, key points to our Christian walk, and we talked about how God's will applies in those circumstances, in those situations. And so the first one was faith. Um, does anybody remember uh, how God's will connects to faith? When we talk about God's will and faith, does anybody remember how God's will connects to faith? Anybody? Uh, Kenji? Um, God's will is, or faith is God's pers persuasion that we would choose to take on his will yeah so listen we we yeah we we take that on we we agree yes without persuaded by faith. yeah without without faith you're not persuaded of god's will you can't even really know god's what god prefers apart from faith the bible says that um uh, uh without faith it's impossible to please god <laughs> so that's how how critical faith is in the conversation about god's will um, and we talked about prayer. 
prayer. Does anybody remember how God's will connects to prayer? Does anybody remember how God's will connects to prayer? Uh, TC. Well, we pray so um, God can, we can exchange our will for God's will. And so we switch human wishes and ideas for his desires. He imparts faith, divine persuasion. Right. And so there you go. So those those first two, there they go, connecting together. (laughs) So even prayer connects with being persuaded of God's will, which is faith, right? Um, And so when I pray, I pray, I may come to God with one thing, but I'm going to leave with being persuaded of God's will, of what he desires, what he wants from me. And that's the great exchange. Uh, Jesus in the garden, remember, he said, uh, uh, Father, if there's another way, you know, is there another way? But nevertheless, not my will, but your will. So he offered up, hey, I, I would like to do this differently. And then he accepted God's will and did it his way. And that's, you know, uh, man, that's a beautiful picture of just a submission to God and not us trying to force or manipulate God to agree with us, but we agree with God. Okay. Repentance. How does repentance connect to God's will? How does repentance connect to God's will? Who we got? The Thompsons. All right, let's go. All right, I have it. <clears throat> it changes my mind to accept what God's what God wants for my life. Absolutely. So repentance is actually me changing my mind, changing my inner man, particularly in reference to accepting God's will for my life. I'm thinking one way, right? I'm thinking I want this. I want to do this or I want to do that. And repentance is, okay, God, I'm going to stop chasing what I want and I'm going to turn and follow what you want. (laughs) And what's interesting about that is that that can happen in prayer. When you go to God in prayer and God downloads what he desires, sometimes you're going to have to repent and turn to follow what he is giving you. Because what if what he gave you is not what you wanted to do? (laughs) What if what God was desiring for you was not what you were desiring for yourself? And we're going to get into that. Okay, love. How does love connect to God's will? How does love connect to God's will? This one's a little bit more complicated, but it's it's there. It's, It's right there within... Uh, the definition of love. All right, who's got it? How does love connect to God's will? TC? Um, love connects to God's will because we live through Christ. You know, he He actually, we, we start embracing his will and his choices. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, we, we obey him through his power, you know? And so, yeah, that's that's what love is. That's what love is, right? Love is doing what God prefers. (laughs) Yeah, love is choosing God's choices. Like this is what God God wants. So I'm gonna show God that I love Him by choosing His choices. And when it comes down to people, I'm gonna treat them based upon His will through His power. Mm, Yeah. Okay. Uh, Now, finally, we touched on prophecy. We touched on prophecy. Um, and God's will. Um, and we kind of talked about a couple of things that related to prophecy and God's will. Does anybody remember how we connected them? 
Kenji. Like if, so, if God puts something on our hearts to tell somebody that we that we listen to Him, that's His will. Like if we tell them what He wants us to tell them, then we're doing His will, but also not to add our stuff into it, you know, or you know, don't go extra. Just right, whatever. Right. He, yeah, if He tells us to say something, then say it. And put our stuff in it. Right, because we prophesy in proportion to our faith, and faith is the persuasion of God's will. So if I'm speaking forth a word of prophecy, I'm speaking it because I'm persuaded that this is God's will. Like you said, and I'm not adding anything to it. I'm not taking anything from it. That's why it's by faith. I'm fully persuaded by God to say this, you know, or to, you know, speak that or to do something sometimes prophecy is action okay all right now we are going to move into tonight's lesson thank you guys for participating in the review um you know those of you that weren't here last week um hopefully that kind of catches you up just a little bit i know it's not exhaustive but this over here Okay, so tonight we are going to dive into um, as much as possible discerning God's will in difficult situations. Discerning God's will in difficult situations. And and realistically, that's when we need to discern God's will, right? (laughs) When things are difficult, when things are tough, when we are, are not sure. Um, and I, I, I put a couple of, you know, little, um, images up here and I'll explain what these images are because these images are helping me to define what a difficult situation is. Okay. So uh, number one, a difficult situation is something that is time sensitive. Let's say, you know, you're trying to figure out God's will and somebody says, well, you got to sign this lease in three days. You know, if you don't do this now, you're going to miss this opportunity. You know, maybe, you know, um, you're you're, you're pressed up against it and you can't, you know, it's like, oh, you got to do this now. Somebody gives you an ultimatum. Those are, that's a difficult situation. You're like, okay, God, so what are you saying? They, They want me to come in tomorrow and accept this job or reject this job or accept this place or reject this place or, you know, buy this car or not buy it or, you know, go here, you know, and you're pressed for time. Okay. And so that's one area that's difficult. Another area that is a difficult situation is when you have too many opinions. You've got multiple people telling you multiple things. So you got people on both sides saying, do this, do this, do this, do that, do this, right? Those situations can be difficult to discern what God's will is, because what if these are people that you trust or people that you care about, and they're all saying different stuff. And you're like, okay, God, (laughs) what are you saying? Because I I can't think with everybody telling me this, this person, you know, they, what they're saying makes sense. But then this person came and said this, and that makes sense. And then this person, so those are difficult situations. Any situations involving money, whether it's going to cost you money, 
whether it's an opportunity to make more money, whether it's something where you need money, those situations are difficult. They really test your ability um, to seek after God's will. And so you've got you've to look at these situations closely because they're difficult. This next one, situations that are emotional. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you're confused. Maybe you feel great about something that is absolutely wrong. <laughs> you know, there, there are times where we'll feel really good about something and it's totally against scripture. But we're like, but it feels good. I felt like that's a great opportunity. Why would that be wrong? Right? And so when our emotions are involved in things, you know, um, that can make for a difficult situation. And finally, last but not least, because there's probably other things that I could put on this list, but these are the things that I thought were like, you know, at the top of the list is health. Anytime you're dealing with health issues, situations can be difficult. You know, doctor says, hey, you need a surgery, you know, or, you know, the situation comes up where somebody in your family is sick and, you know, like, okay, God, what do you want us to do? You know, anytime health is a factor, that can be a difficult situation. Okay. Um, can anybody think of any other uh, situations that may be difficult that when you're trying to figure out God's will, um, they really cloud it and really, you know, get it all mixed up? Uh, Willie. You just lost your job. Yeah. Yeah, that, that would that would fall under money, not having it, needing it. You know, losing your job would be a, a difficult situation, you know, because you'd be like, oh, okay, what do I do? Uh, is that same hand or different hand? Oh, that was a different hand. Okay. Um, I was just going to say one more. I was thinking about like a heartbreak or a divorce. Yeah. Anytime. Yeah. Anytime there's something very emotional. Yeah. Anything very emotional, heavy <laughs> on you. Um yeah, that's a that's a that's a big one. Yeah. Okay. All right. So when we're looking at these various situations, and, and as I looked at these situations, I, all these things can blend together. You know, because sometimes you can be up against it and it's something time sensitive, and you ask somebody about it and you get five different opinions about it, and this thing is gonna cost you money. <laughs> and you feel some kind of way about it, um, a divorce or a breakup could fall under that, you know, that, you know, it's high emotional. You got a bunch of people saying different stuff about it, you know, and you feel like I need to do something now, or I'm going to lose this person, you know? So, the, I mean, it, they, they, they tend to overlap. They tend to overlap. Um, you guys that are just joining on, go ahead and pop those cameras on so we can interact. Um, and, and see each other and um, be able to smile and talk and all those good things. Um, and so these things can overact, over, overlap is what I'm trying to say. They can overlap, okay? So um, we're going to go through what you should do, and then we're going to look at some different scriptures. And so um, number one, no matter which one of these things or if anything else you guys can think of, that are difficult situations, the first thing you have to say is what does the word say? What does God's word say? Don't rely on your experiences or strong emotion. 
because sometimes we can feel some kind of way or we can say, well, I've been through that before. I know how to handle this. We've got to stop and say, what does the word say? Um, and, and we're going to get into that in a second. Um, the next thing is that we have to be willing to pray, listen, and look for confirmation of God's word. And so we'll pray, open our, open our hearts and our minds to listen, you know, um, and then we look for confirmation. Is God confirming what we studied or what we believe he's saying? Is he confirming it? You know, because without confirmation, a lot of times we're kind of out there just floating, but it comes from knowing God's word. One of the things that um, I was studying the other day on this subject, and just in a regular Bible dictionary, it talked about how the more mature you are, the easier it is to determine God's will. And I thought that that was very insightful. And I didn't expect that in the Bible dictionary. <laughs> you know, I don't know what I expected in there, but it is so true. And what, what is meant by maturity is the, the more you know God's word and the more it's in you and you actually exercise it and do it, you become more and more mature and God's will becomes more and more clear. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, the more mature you get, things that would not have been clear before. Now, when it comes up, it's like, oh yeah, that's God's will. And somebody's like, well, how do you know that? How can you just say that that, well, you know, the, the, the more you grow in this thing, you start to be able to discern God's will a lot quicker in situations and circumstances, because you know, God's word more, you know, his character better, you, you know, his presence more. And so when you li pray, listen, and then look for confirmation, and if you repeat that process, you know, and always, always pray, listen, and look for confirmation before you make any moves. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. Uh, number three, seek wise, wise counsel. Uh, and what I mean by wise counsel is someone who demonstrates faith in their own life. Someone who you see live by faith, that they are persuaded by God in the way that they live. Not somebody who, you know... Um, when push comes to shove, they choose themselves. When, when things get rough, oh, I got to take the money, you know, or things are tough, I got to take care of me, you know, or, you know, whatever. And, or they'll rush, you know, the Bible speaks against being hasty, you know, they'll just rush into stuff and you're like, you know, how can I trust that person's, you know, counsel if they don't even know how to walk by faith? And, and finally, um, stay connected, fellowship with other believers. I think this is a very overlooked one that a lot of people, when they're trying to discern God's will for something difficult, a lot of times they find themselves off alone and they're making decisions. And by the time anybody finds out what happened, they already made decisions. They already divorced their wife. They already, you know, quit. They already moved or they already, you know, left the church, you know, or whatever. And by the time you look up, it's over. You're like, well, man, you, you, you stay connected and you fellowship with other people. Then you got people praying for you. You got people looking out for you. You got people saying, well, hey, man, what you doing? You know, why are you making that decision? And you act, they actually can help you walk through it. Okay. All right. So all these things, we're now going to kind of look at them in scripture. So I'm going to attempt to take the difficult situations 
these practical applications. We're going to look at some scripture. We're going to try to combine these things and pull them, you know, out and look at them um, in, in real time. So the first passage, I almost wanted to make this the last passage, but I'm going to go ahead and make this the first passage because I think this significant discovery that I found is just worth starting out with because it's going to make everything else understandable. And that's Psalms 27, verses 13 and 14. Psalms 27, verses 13 and 14. Let me get a reader for that. Psalms 27, verses 13 and 14, a very familiar passage. But in this context, we are going to see something that we totally overlooked. Well, I overlooked. Maybe you, maybe you didn't, but I did. All right. Um, let's see. I got a couple of hands. Uh, go ahead, Bianca. Okay. It says, I would have lost heart unless I have believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Okay. So David here is going through something. We don't know exactly what he's going through, but whatever he's going through is so difficult that he was going to give up. I would have lost heart literally means to give up. He was going to give up. That's what it means to lose heart. Unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of living. So somehow he believed that God was going to come through that somehow, some way, whatever it was, wasn't going to take him out, that God was going to come through. All right. Is everybody with me? And so he then declares from that experience, wait on the Lord and be of good courage. This is where the flashing lights went off. This right here was a significant discovery for me because I've read this and quoted this, I don't know, half my life. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage. In order to wait on the Lord, it actually is going to take courage. And here's why. Let's look at the difficult situations in life. Let's say time sensitive. Somebody says, you got to do this now or you're going to miss out. You got to do this now or, you know, this is, it's going to take courage for you to say, well, then I'm just going to wait on God. I don't know how, you know, when you really think about that, and I don't know if you've ever been pressed. Somebody said, you got to make a decision today. And you're like, I ain't heard from God. To wait on him. And maybe have to miss this opportunity or have to tell somebody I'll pass. That's going to take courage. What if it's a job offer? What if it's a, a property that you've been, you know, you're, you're wanting a property or what if it's a relationship? And this person is like, well, look, if you're not going to, you know, you're not going to make a decision, then I'm moving on. But then because I ain't heard from God, so I'm going to have to take courage. You know, 
What if everybody's telling you this, that, and the other? And they're like, well, how come you're not listening to us? We didn't, because I ain't heard from God. And so now I got to have the courage to not listen to people. I got to have the courage to not be persuaded by people who are just saying stuff because everybody's got their opinion. It's going to take courage. Because somebody might say, oh, man, you being stupid, man. Why are you doing like that? You know, I think about Paul. You know, when Agabus comes to him and says, whoever built this is, they're going to go to Jerusalem. They're going to suffer. And everybody's like, well, Paul, don't go. <laughs> Paul had to take courage. He said, look, not only am I ready to go, but I'm ready to die. And when they could not persuade him, they said, the Lord's will be done. Woo, Willie. Yo, that's very deep. When you said that, something hit me I didn't think of before. I think of Jesus in Matthew 16 when he told Peter and rebuked him. Yeah. You know, a lot of times we look at Jesus, which he is Lord. Yeah, true, true enough. But he was also in the flesh too, though. So, I mean, I could definitely imagine it, it took courage to go against the grain. And that's yes. all I'm hearing is a, a common parallel with an opposition of the world's thinking and God's will. Like, it's just like a war of the wills, if, if you may, you know? And yeah. I see that demonstrated through Christ, through Paul, like you using it as an example. And um, yeah, so I just wanted to make that comment. It just kind of hit me right now. Yeah, no, it's um, it's definitely it's definitely um, a difficult situation, especially let's say it's going to cost you money. Are you willing to wait on the Lord <laughs> and be of good courage and let him strengthen your heart? And then he repeats it. He says, wait, I say on the Lord. <laughs> he like, oh, he emphasizes it like, look, and th this hit me hard today. I was like, man. Are we willing to feel like we're missing out because we're going to wait on the Lord? That takes courage. It takes courage to go against the grain. It takes courage to say, you know what? I don't care how much money you push at me. You know, <laughs> it takes courage when you feel opposite of what God is telling you. I said a couple of weeks ago, listening to a young lady and she was talking about an opportunity that just felt right. She's like, oh, I checked all the boxes. I felt, it felt right. But I heard the Holy Spirit saying, wait. And I was like, well, I can't wait. Because what if I wait and this opportunity passes me by? <laughs> it felt right, you know? Or what if it's the opposite? You're angry and you want to go do something. And the Lord says, wait. <laughs> Now you got to fight yourself in order to not do what it is you want to do. What if you're confused, you know, because there's a wide range of emotions. What if you're confused about a situation? And a lot of times when we're confused, we just do whatever instead of taking courage and saying, hey, I'm going to wait on the Lord. Health? Oh, man. Doctor come in and say, look, what I think you need surgery tomorrow. Doctor tell you that? Oh, based on this x-ray, we don't, we need to operate. You're like, well, hold on. <laughs> let me, let me pray and let me, you know, you know, they're like, no, well, if you don't do it now, it, it's like, a, it's like themselves. 
oh, this sale ends at 12 o'clock midnight, <laughs> right? If you don't buy it today, you're going to miss out on this and you'll never have another chance. Man, it takes courage to wait on the Lord, y'all. It takes courage because what if he, what if, what if you have to wait till 1159 before he answers? You know what he said he'll do while you're waiting? He'll strengthen your heart. <laughs> Mr. Mike, or the Thompsons, I don't know who it is. Yes, Mr. Mike, it's both of us actually. We're sitting over here laughing when you said, what if it's a sale? Because we always see Furniture Row. They have a sale every week. And so if someone... Every week. <laughs> every week. And Just so like, they'd be get like, I got to go get it now. But they don't know that next week, the same thing's going to go <laughs> But they make you think, oh, if you don't get it now. You know, yeah, and that's and how they... they go ahead. I was going to say, all I got to do is wait for holidays. It's going to go on sale again. It's going to go on sale again. And, and, and that's what a lot of times we'll feel like we're missing out on something. And we're not willing to wait on God. You know, what if waiting on God means you're out of work for a month? <laughs> you know, what if waiting on God means you got to be single longer? What if waiting on God means, you know, I mean, it, it, all these things are going to take courage. And when I read that, I said, that's why he's saying this. Be of good courage because it's going to take courage to wait on God. All right. Let's go to our next one. Psalms 1 verses 1 through 3. And again, these apply to all of these situations. Um, actually, let me stop. Let me pause. Go ahead and find that. When If somebody has it, we'll have you read it. But I want to, I want to digress for a second. So waiting on God is what the word says, right? And so we're in a situation we don't know what to do. The word says, wait on the Lord. Okay. And so as I'm waiting on the Lord, I pray, I listen, and I look for confirmation of God's word. So while I'm waiting, I'm not just sitting there twiddling my thumb, right? I'm not just, you know, but I, I, I'm praying, I'm listening. I'm looking for God to confirm what he's saying or what he has said. But I'm also finding myself in wise counsel. I'm not just winging it. You know, I'm finding myself in wise counsel, people who have demonstrated faith, people who, you know, pray, listen and wait for God. <laughs> people that you already know, know what the word says. They're living by the word. They're not living off of their experience or their emotions. Right. And then while I'm waiting, I'm staying in connection. I'm staying in fellowship. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in church. I'm in Bible studies. I'm in prayer, you know, with other believers. You know, I'm, I'm finding myself being obedient to what I know to do. And that's why I said I wanted to put these together. So that's why I wanted to slow down. I didn't want to rush off before I put these together. Okay. And that's just for our first scripture. All of these things are going to fit into all of these scriptures. <laughs> that's what's so beautiful about this 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 process here okay so now let's move forward to psalms one verses one through three bianca 
says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Wow. Okay, so we've read this passage before. All of us probably know it semi by heart, right? As you're hearing it, you're quoting it in your mind. You're not really, you know, reading it, you know. So you're going to get a lot of information coming at you, right? You know, and, and just for, you know, example, this pandemic. From day one of this pandemic, we've gotten a lot of information thrown at us, right? A lot of people had a lot of things to say. We felt pressed for time, like, oh, we got we to gotta do something, you know, emotionally we were up man you know we're all over the place and it definitely was a health issue and health issues always complicate complicate things when you like well is this going to hurt me is this vaccine going to kill me is this is this virus going to kill me is what, what's going to happen and so i'm totally all over the place emotionally because of this health issue and some people were losing money because they couldn't go to work you know they, 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 they're, they're looking for, for stimulus package. They're doing this. They're looking for options and going here. Do I risk this? Do I risk that? You know, and I got to deal with all these things. And so the, 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 the rules still apply. Number one, what does God's word say? That's the first place I got to look. What does God's word say to do in these situations? And so he says, well, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scum. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And that's where he meditates day and night. And so his word tells me in this situation that I need to be in his word. I need to be meditating on a day and night because the result of that is that I will be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. That while the whole world is going crazy, I'm going to be at peace. I'm going to be stable. I'm going to be settled. I'm going to be able to make uh, 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 right decisions and right choices because I'm not pulled apart by what's going on in the world. I'm not overwhelmed emotionally or going back to something that happened 20 years ago. Like, well, you know, I did this, man, and I don't do, you know, and so I'm not making decisions based on my personal experiences or emotions. I'm going to the word. And then once I've gone to the word, I'm praying. I'm listening and I'm looking for God to confirm his word because what's crazy is that during the pandemic, we saw a lot of people like, you know, taken to Facebook and, you know, different things and saying, well, doesn't, doesn't the Bible say this? And they're totally misquoting the Bible. And so you got to go to the Bible yourself and say, what does the word actually say? Because remember Satan quoted the Bible to Jesus. And so just because somebody's quoting the Bible doesn't mean that they're saying it right. We have to go and like, well, let me make sure that that's what it's actually saying. Because people are coming to me, well, pastor, you know, well, we, we need to go to the mountains because that's what the Bible says, that we need to flee to the mountains. I was like, well, what? Where, you, where did you get that from? Well, doesn't it say that here? No, you're asking me, doesn't it say it? 
Did you read it yourself? Well, no, but it says something like that. And you're about to pack up and go to the mountains for something that you don't even know if it says that or not. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? That's not your delight being in the law of the Lord and in it you're meditating day and night. You barely even picked it up, but you're making decisions as if that's what the word of God says. So we check the word, then we pray, listen, look for confirmation of God's word. And then always, again, same process, seek wise counsel and stay connected. I mean, the every verse, this will apply. This will apply. One of the things that jumped out at me um, about this verse is, you know, we've read this before, but verse three, he shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and wherever he, whatever he does shall prosper. He uses the analogy of a tree planted by water that brings forth fruit. Now, remember, this is an analogy. This is a metaphor that we're supposed to glean from it that in God, not only will we be stable and secure, but we will develop and grow naturally. And we don't have to worry about what's coming next because as long as we're in him, whatever's supposed to come next will come next. If you're planted by water, you're going to produce leaves and those leaves are going to produce fruit and they will not wither. Because the worry is, so the counsel of the ungodly, the way of sinners, the the standing in the path of sinners, sitting in the seat of the scornful, these are people who are trying to make a way on their own. The person who meditates on the word day and night is saying, God, I'm trusting you to make a way. That I'm going to find my way by being in you. This is the this is the equivalent of Matthew six thirty three. This verse is the equivalent of Matthew six thirty three. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things will be added to. It's the equivalent <laughs> that if I delight myself in the law of the Lord and meditate in day and night. I'll be like this treatise. It's the equivalent. Was there a hand that went up? Willie. Yeah, that's crazy you said that because from our study in Matthew up to the book of Psalms and Psalm 1-1, we know that Matthew was speaking to a Jewish audience. Yes, he was. And that's why that one hit different right now. And then also number two, you know, seeking first the kingdom of God, that directly correlates Man, I never, I never saw that before. That's dope. That's really, really, really dope. And I like how you're able to distinguish the difference between um, the righteous and the seed of the scornful. So it's just like automatically one is depending on their own and mm-hmm. how trying to find a way to do it their own, scoping a way to, and that's why you see them worried. That's why you see them overwhelmed. That's why you see them depressed. That's why you see them hopeless. But us who are abiding under the shadow of the almighty, we depend mm-hmm. on him. Yeah. So 
then they'll look and they'll see us like, why, how are you still in your right mind? Like, wow, that that's really dope. That's really, really dope. So that's yeah, all. Because, because if you keep reading, right, in Psalms 1, look at how he describes the wicked or the ungodly. He said the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Now, again, this sounds like Jesus. Those who hear my words and obey them, I will liken them to a wise man who has built their house on a rock, a firm foundation. So that the winds and the waves, when they beat against that house, it doesn't move. But the ungodly, the ones that are disobedient, great shall be that fall. It's like quicksand. And so it's going to fall. It's going to perish. There's those parallels. And so in him, we're, we're secure. We're secure in him. You know, and so when, when we're looking for God's will in these difficult situations, it starts with what his word says. Man, we got to go to the word. And we got to question. We got to question ourselves. Am, am, am I being obedient to the scripture or am I doing something different? Because one of the things that I've learned about human nature we have the ability to look at the answer and act as if that's not concerning me. We'll say, oh, yeah, that's good. But we'll never apply it to our situation. We'll never say, well, man, am I waiting on the Lord or am I just making a decision? And it's like, why won't we slow down and apply the word? Am I actually meditating on God's word day and night so that my decisions, so that my life will be stable and, and, my, and my decisions be based off of truth and not, you know, not time, you know, time situations, people's opinion, how much money I'm going to make or lose, how I feel about it the fear of my health, you know, in, 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 in various things, right? So are we slowing down and doing what the word says? I mean, really doing it because I think this is a point of maturity. You know, the, the Bible is clear what maturity looks like. And I'll get into that later. Uh, I didn't put that on here, but now that I've said it a couple of times, I want to go back and look at that. All right. So Let's look at some more verses. First Timothy chapter six, verses six through 10. So we've got wait on the Lord. We've got meditate in his word. Now we're going to look at, to me, the great superpower. This is a superpower. I just think this is one of, man, you want to defeat the enemy? Learn this. TC. Okay, First Timothy 6, 6 to 10 says this. Now, godliness with great contentment is great gain. Mm. We brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we could take and carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. 
But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into mean, foolish, and harmful lusts, which draws men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root to all kinds of evil, for some have strayed away from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves throughout with many sorrows. Wow. Okay. Let's really slow down and take this in. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Okay? Somebody puts me up against this. says, well, you got to make a decision today. A person with contentment is unflappable. Like, you can't make me make a decision. But if I'm discontent, if, if I'm discontent, you're going to get me. You're going to get me to jump. <laughs> you, you're going to get me because I'm going to think, oh, yeah, I, I need a change. I need this. I need that. I, I, hmm. So I dangle that carrot. I dangle that whatever it is in front of you. But a person that's content says, ah, I'll let it pass by. I don't need it. That ain't going to make me or break me. Well, what about the money you're missing out? I came in, I didn't come into this world with anything and I'm not going to leave with anything. So you're not going to be able to drag me away with money. You know, people get on there. Oh yeah, man. You know, and, and we're in a, we're in an age where people are, are Bitcoin this and this, that, and the other, and this investment and that investment. And what they're pulling on is your discontentment. You know, when I remember back in the day when they got me into the, the Amway stuff and the Quick Star stuff and the what was it called back in the day? Legal Shield. And they got us all into all of that stuff because we were discontent. And so like, hey man, don't you wanna don't you wanna make some money? Don't you wanna, you know, be financially free? Don't you don't you wanna, you know, be a blessing to other people? Don't you want this? Like, but if I'm content, then I can wait on God. <laughs> and I won't listen to the counsel of the ungodly. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I, it, it's hard to move me when I'm content. That's why I always say contentment is strong legs. Contentment is strong legs. Discontented people can easily be moved. And so you got to go to the word. What does the word say? The word says be content. But my friends are saying be, an, be ambitious. <laughs> Don't you want more? Do you want to climb that ladder? Don't you, you know, aren't you tired of being single? Aren't you tired of that old car? Aren't you tired of paying rent? Aren't you tired of all these things that just, just make you, okay, I can't, I can't be content. I can't be content because everything is telling me that I need to go after more and more and more. Right? This is what's coming at us. But when a person's content, you can, say, you can talk all that stuff you want. <laughs> what they used to say, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. <laughs> Right? Just like a tree planted by the waters, I shall not be moved. Right? Jesus is my savior. 
<laughs> Y'all better sing. <laughs> I shall not be moved, but see, contentment keeps you from being moved, right? So godliness with contentment is great gain. He says that, um, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. Having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. How, how difficult is that? To say, you know what? I got food, I got clothing, I got a roof on my head. Why do I need so much more? What is it that I'm chasing? What is it that I want? And lack of contentment will make it hard to discern God's will. Because it'll be clouded. It'll be clouded by the carrot of money dangling in front of you. You feeling like you want more, like, oh, man, you know? And then don't let people start talking. Don't let people start whispering, like, hey, man, you know, you ought to go for that, man. Is it more money? Is it this? Is that? You know, oh, man, you know, I think she like you. <laughs> you know, I mean, whatever, you know, just, just all kinds of things that are coming at you. And you're like, well, man, I actually need to be content right now. Man, you, you don't want to build that deck on your house. You know, you don't want to, you know, uh, I'll wait. The Lord, you know, provides for that. I'll do it. But I'm not going to go out selling and rearranging stuff to go and do something. You know, if I never have a deck, I'm content. <laughs> if I don't buy the boat, I'm content. Right. I mean, this is I mean, I know this stuff seems like, oh, that sounds silly, but these are the things that are being thrown at people. And when you say, well, what's God's will? You're not thinking what's God's will. You're thinking, does God want me to have this stuff? Which is a totally different question. (laughs) Right. That's a different question than what God's will is. God's will is for you to be content. (laughs) Right. Y'all looking at me funny. <laughs> he says, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. Man, and snare and a snare. And into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Think about the traps that are set that you fall in because of discontentment. man this is why you gotta know what the word says first because then you'll know how to pray like lord expose the traps don't let them set me up don't don't don't, you know because if i start chasing i was telling my son this you know as i was looking at his film we were going over his film and whenever i said man whenever you chase this guy Now he can use your momentum against you. You start chasing after him, he's going to pull you forward and go around you. And that's what the enemy does. The enemy is making you chase him so he can make you stumble and fall. And he's looking at you laughing, but you got to chase him. You know, this is why back in the beginning, this is why we go back to the beginning It takes courage to wait on the Lord. 
when everybody is saying, now go, do, yeah, yeah, go, do, go, to wait on the Lord? Because sometimes you feel like, what am I waiting for? <laughs> Why am I waiting, the Lord? Because I, I said, wait. Tim, <laughs> Deacon Tim. And then, hey, man, uh, this, this is good. This is good. Um, I'm seeing a connection with the prayer. Lead me. Lead us not into not into temptation. There it is. Right. Hard testing. Hard testing. What we're saying is we don't want to be drawn away by our lust or our harmful lust. Yeah. Harmful Mm. lust. That's good. That's good. Yeah, that's good. That was a good connection right there. Mm. I like that. Thompson's and then G Berry. Um, I wanted to talk, if you could talk to the, um, I think this is how people get drawn away with um, using the wrong scripture, Um, you know, like pulling things out of the Bible just for their own desire, even though it's in the Bible. Right. So how do you, I mean, how do you combat that or stop that or I know you've got to seek the Lord um, but it's so easy to be swayed away yeah yeah you're, you're you're right and so let's go look at how Jesus did it right let's go to Matthew chapter four let's go to Matthew chapter four let's just look at let's look at the master deal with that very situation and um, G. Barry, did you have a comment or a question? If it's a comment, go ahead and make your comment while we go and look at the scripture. Yeah, yeah, it was just a quick comment. I was mm-hmm. just about that James 1, when um, Tim said that, it just opened that up for me. It's just your own desire. Your own desires, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're not, God doesn't tempt any man, nor is he tempted, but we're mm-hmm. tempted with our own desires, there's one translation that said dragged away that, that dragged yeah. away. man yeah yeah so um matthew chapter four uh beginning at verse five and we're going to read down to verse seven So Matthew chapter four, verse five through verse seven. Somebody want to read that? I'll go ahead and read it. Um, Okay, thank you. Okay, it says, then the devil took him into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands, they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Mm. Jesus said to him, it is written again, you mm. shall not tempt the Lord, your God. So Jesus answered scripture with scripture. Mm. So somebody says, you know, yeah, you know, God's going to take care of you. So, you know, jump off this cliff. (laughs) Jesus says, yeah, but the word also says, 
that you're not to tempt the Lord your God. Let's say, oh, Bible says that um, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. So you should, you should, you know, you should go for it. You know, God wants to bless you. Scripture also says that godliness with contentment is great gain. So you answer scripture with scripture. Somebody comes at you with something that is over the top and ambitious. And you say, well, wait a minute. Scripture also says that we're to be content. And so if that is God's will, he'll, he'll take care of that. Scripture says for me to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all of these other things will be added to me. Oh, man, no, you ought to, man, you got to speak up for yourself and get that raise and go get this and go get that and go do this. You know, because, you know, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. I'm like, where's your contentment? Oh, he's got it more than enough. We don't have to be complacent and content and all that stuff. So that's the only way you can, you know, battle that is to do exactly what Jesus did. Satan took this verse out of context and quoted it. He's saying, throw yourself off a cliff and God is going to save you. That's not the point of that verse the point of that verse is that if you stumble in doing god's will he's going to help you not if you just go and do reckless things right Mm. so you know that's why he says well no scripture says again that you should not tempt the lord your god so he doesn't want me to be reckless but if i do get in trouble he will help me (laughs) so i i think you know miss edie that's a great question which again, we mm. got to know what the word actually says. And so when somebody says something and they're using a scripture out of context, we've got to know, uh-uh, that's not, scripture also says this wow. or that. Right? Yeah. Amen. Great. Thank you. Amen. Wow. Tim. Uh, really quick, I just noticed something there. It hit differently. I never noticed in that scripture, the devil took him into the holy city. Mm-hmm. I never paid attention to that, but it just hit me that he was using something that was near and dear to his heart. Mm-hmm. The temptation was to, yeah, I'm going to do this in the holy city. And wow, this is going to be a great way to to convince people of something. Hmm. I never noticed that. Wow. Took him into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple. So that, yeah, the enemy will use what's near and dear to your heart to try and tempt you with it. <laughs> that's, 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 man, that's rough. Hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Any more comments, questions? Kenji. <laughs> just to build off of Tim's comment, the, to, to the holy city, and then to the temple, right? And then to the pinnacle, and to the top, the highest like, point, right? You know, like, yeah, he just really tried to hit him, you know, yeah. manipulate him, you know, yeah. Like he used, tried to use God against him, you know, yeah, because then he used scripture, yeah. He says, It is written, yeah, just like he did to Adam and Eve. It is written. You know, people think Satan's afraid of quoting scripture. 
You know, you're going to have to combat him because he's going to quote it, but he's going to quote it out of context because he has no thought of being obedient to it. So he doesn't care about the context. He doesn't care about what it actually means. This is why you got to be careful with people who don't care about what the scripture actually means. Wow. Really. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, some hit me even harder too. Dang, this is on the man. Every time I be coming, there's a revelation. But the thing that hit me real hard when you said that, if Satan doesn't think twice about using God's word that heals, God's word literally saves. God's word literally was sent for to deliver and save through the manifestation of our Lord and Savior. He don't care, period. So does that also correlate with that second Timothy? Three, where it says deny having a form of godliness, but denying the power. That's what that looks like. Yeah, because yeah, you can go through the motions, but you're not, you know, you're not accepting the power of God. The Bible says that the demons believe that there's one God and tremble. <laughs> you know, so the, the, there's a point where you go past and you say, I'm gonna be obedient to God's will. Wow. <laughs> You know, because there's a whole bunch of people quoting scriptures. You know, I heard somebody use this very passage to say that Satan's favorite sin is gluttony. He says, look, Jesus came out of the wilderness and he tempted them with food. Like, is that the point of this passage? <laughs> And he made it seem like this was some deep revelation. Like, that's not the point of this passage. And see, people will take and manipulate stuff and make it about something that it's not about, which it actually distracts it from it. Because the whole point of this passage was about who Jesus is. Right. If you are the son of God. That's the whole point of this is to challenge his identity. Mm. Mm. Wow. That's what the point is. Everything else is secondary. To turn the secondary issues into the primary issues can then lead to some bad, you know, interpretations of stuff. So you got to first say, this is the primary issue. Right. Then we can say, and there's this here or this there. But what's the actual purpose of the text? Well, Satan tempting Jesus and, and, and testing him mm-hmm. to see if you are really the son of God. Do you really are you really the son of God? Willie. So in that Satan is tempting or testing the validity of God or through Jesus's identity, right? Right. So Again, I keep on going back to scripture. It's crazy, but is that that has to mean that okay? Since he is who he says he is, he's gonna pass that test. Then in Hebrews, we talk about him. Um, what does it say? He was tempted in all, in all points, all right. points, but yet yeah, without sin. There it is, man. Again, makes sense. <laughs> Amen. The Thompsons. 
Yeah, you, can you repeat that, uh, what you said? Some people say Satan must be, what, what, what was gluttony? What oh, that say? Satan's favorite sin is gluttony. Yeah, because oh. I'm looking at this, and I'm looking at, um, <laughs> and I'm looking at Matthew 4, verses 1 through 4, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at that, that they probably said that because that talks about the food too, Satan, you know, tempting God with the bread. Yeah, that's what they were talking about. That's what they used was this verse, one through four. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's not the point of this verse. Right. And right. they were preaching a sermon on the seven deadly sins. Now, anybody who knows their Bible knows that there is no seven deadly sins. That's from a movie. <laughs> you know, the only thing in the word that could even come close to that is the six things that the Lord hates. And gluttony is actually not even one of them. Yeah, if you go and look at it in Proverbs, gluttony is not even one of them. So this guy was just being super dramatic. And I ain't going to say who it was because it's probably somebody's favorite preacher. <laughs> Kenji. Also, <clears throat> this fasting that Jesus was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we fast to get closer to God, to get closer to his word. We, we fast right? we, we fast to deny ourselves. To deny ourselves. And, th- and therefore, it gets us closer to God. Because it's like Satan yeah. made it about self. Yeah, about you're hungry. You're hungry. Right. You Jesus want that. Like, no, I'm not. He's like, I'm, no, this is about God. It's yeah. About I don't. Food, is, this, this has nothing to do with what we're doing right now. Yeah. But yes, because fasting is to deny yourself in order to, you know, be closer to God. And so he's been fasting for 40 days. That's why food is the first temptation. Uh, not because it's Satan's favorite sin. Food is the first temptation because the man has been fasting for 40 days. Yeah. Definitely. This has nothing to do with gluttony. And I'm kind of mad that somebody did that. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> um, for sake of time, we're going to move on to our next scripture. Uh, because I think this one is really important because this deals with emotions Um and emotions play a heavy role in making it difficult for us to see God's will. Uh, so Philippians chapter four, verses six to seven, and you probably all know this by heart by now. <laughs> I think we've preached on it, we've quoted it, we've taught on it. We've, we've, we've man, we don't went, as they used to say when I was growing up, we don't went ham on this scripture. <laughs> I knew Willie would get that one. (laughs) When you go ham. Philippians chapter four, verse six through seven. Who's got it? (laughs) Philippians chapter four, six through seven. I got you. I got you. Yeah, it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Okay, so let's let's go through our 
situations here and you're pressed, time sensitive, don't get anxious. Don't fall apart. Don't go to pieces. Go into prayer. You know, people are saying all these things about a situation. They're coming at you like, well, you should do this and you should do that. You Don't get anxious. Don't fall apart. Don't go to pieces. Go into prayer. You know, money's short or you're short on this or, man, there's an opportunity to make more money or there's this situation. Don't get anxious. <laughs> Don't fall apart. Don't go to pieces. Go into prayer. Okay? You know, you, you, you just went through a traumatic situation, you know, breakup, somebody passed away, um, lost a job, um, got into an argument with your best friend and y'all not speaking. Don't get anxious. Don't fall apart. Don't go to pieces. Go into prayer. You just got a bad diagnosis. The doctor just told you something you didn't want to hear. Don't get anxious. Don't fall apart. Don't go to pieces. Go into prayer. That's what the word says. G. Barry. So in this, I got a question because I wanted to circle back to what you said about being courageous and waiting. So this is the correct answer to what we should be doing while we are waiting on the Lord. That's it. There it is. Wow. That's it. While you're waiting, you're praying. You're listening for God to confirm his word. You're seeking wise counsel. You're staying connected. You're not off by yourself. Letting the devil pick you off because you know when a sheep gets off by himself, they're an easy target, right? You're much easier target off by yourself. All kinds of weird stuff come into your head. There's nobody to question it. All you got to do is ask Lot. Lot got off in that cave by himself with no accountability and some mess jumped off. <laughs> that's all That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> some mess jumped off. Uh, a deacon Tim. <laughs> yeah, that, this is reminding me of uh, the power of Thanksgiving. It says, yeah, with Thanksgiving and every Thursday we have that thankful Thursday. If you ask the right. question, you ask the question, what are you thankful for? And just, it's amazing. I'll, I'll get on there just dragging myself on and something about just hearing people giving thanks, just even just hearing other people give thanks. And then it makes me start thinking, yeah. I got a lot to be thankful for. <laughs> you yeah. know, it shifts the whole atmosphere. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Yes. Yes. Great. Great comment there. Yeah. You know, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer. Everything by prayer. In everything by prayer. I want y'all to get that. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer by prayer when you say by prayer not in prayer but by prayer <laughs> and supplication with as you said tim thanksgiving let your request be made known unto god how do we make our request to god by prayer and supplication 
and we don't pray without thanksgiving. <laughs> I mean, get that, get, get that, that process right there. When things are going crazy, I, I don't go to pieces, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, I let my request be made known unto God. I go to God and I look for the exchange. God, here's what's going on with me. Here's my thoughts about it. Here's my issue with it. And then God takes your thoughts, your problems, your issues, and he persuades you by faith that his peace will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. And that peace that you get now gives you what you need to wait on it. <laughs> now that you're at peace, you can wait on them and you're content. So it's harder to tempt you. Oh, y'all, y'all not with me, man. <laughs> and you're stable. You're like that tree that's planted by the rivers. You're settled, you're stable. You will not be moved. <laughs> Man, I'm just going to stay calm because this is good. <laughs> this is good. And this is, this is why I said all these things are going to connect. I was like, when I was doing this, it's like, man, all these things are going to cross over and they're going to connect and they're just going to, and, and, and it's just, you know, I can't even, you know, it's just, yeah, there's that contentment. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what God gives you after you go to him in prayer. That peace that surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What does it do? It teaches you contentment. And I know it teaches you contentment because later on, just a few verses later, he says that I have learned, no matter what state I'm in, to be content. He says it later. I mean, in the same chapter, just a few verses later. Contentment is what is produced in him by not going to pieces, being anxious and overcome by his emotions, but by but but in everything with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, making his request known unto God and allowing the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, to guard his heart and his mind through Christ Jesus. And then he takes control of his thoughts. And he begins to think on the right things because you can't think on the right things if you're full of anxiety. Because the whole point of anxiety is that your mind is running away from you. You can't control the thoughts. The thoughts are ruling you. But when you get the peace of God, now you take control <laughs> of those thoughts. What does scripture say? You take every thought captive uh oh, to the obedience of Christ. How can you do that unless you receive his peace? And that means you went to him in prayer. Supplication with thanksgiving. And so it, it all ties back together. And it starts with, well, what does the word say about this situation? The word says pray. <laughs> and once you pray, you listen, you look for confirmation of his word. You look for confirmation of that peace. And then you get around folks that encourage you in that. Like, yeah, one time this happened to me and I prayed and the Lord gave me peace. And, you know, and you start getting, and then you fellowship with other people and they encourage you, you know, and, and, it just, it just strengthens you. 
Okay, I got four minutes. Last verse. I say this one for last. Uh, we're going to stay in Philippians. Flip over to chapter one, verses 19 through 26. And we're going to read it. Then I'm going to summarize it and kind of put a bow on this. And uh, we're going to wrap this thing up. Are y'all with me? Did I lose y'all? <laughs> Who, who's got it? Philippians chapter one, verses 19 through 26. This is a very deep passage, but we're not going to get all the way into it. I'm just going to kind of summarize it. Who's got it? Go ahead, Kenji. <clears throat> For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance mm. through your prayer and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always. So now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. <clears throat> okay, stop right there. I, I just got to pause and, and touch on that. That. Paul was to a place of maturity in his walk with God that he believed that God was going to be magnified in his body no matter if it was through life or death. Now, I, I, that's, some, that's some strong stuff. That if I die, he's going to be magnified. It's going to be good. If I live, he's going to be magnified. This dude could look fear, uh, look death right in the face with no fear. You take me out, God's going to be glorified. If I live, God's going to be glorified. This is where I got that saying that you can't threaten a man with death who's willing to die. You can't threaten a man with, I'll take everything you have who's willing to give it up. Satan is able to threaten us with losing everything because we're not willing to give it up. Mm. So he can say, well, kids, you're going to lose it all. Take it. What would he, <laughs> I mean, you would totally make him toothless if you said, God will take care of me. <laughs> yeah. I, he loses his bark. And his bite. You 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 want to be able to stand firm. Learn how to say, learn how to say. You know what? It, you could take it. But you're gonna lose your house. <laughs> take it. I I had a <laughs> I had a car before that was like that. It was a Cadillac. And I was always scared of scared to let it go. Yeah, well, scared of people hitting it. Hitting it. I park on the other side of the parking lot and park know, crooked so they don't yeah, park next yeah, to you. Yeah, man. It was so I got I got I had to get rid of it, but it was just yeah. I know what you mean. The fear of losing. Um, imagine if you did not fear losing the things of this world. Right. How indestructible you would be how unstoppable you would be for God. I mean, just really think about that. As a matter of fact, with one minute left, we won't even get to the rest of this. But just, I really want you to grab a hold of that. Imagine how unstoppable you would be 
if the enemy couldn't threaten you with losing your job, losing your car, taking this, taking that. He said, well, I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to go to pieces. I'm going to go into prayer. And by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, I'm going to make my request known to God. And the peace of God is going to guard my heart and mind through Christ Jesus. I'm going to wait on the Lord. And I'm going to be of good courage. And he's going to strengthen my heart. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, imagine if we really, you know, and and, to, and 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 that's a great comment, but I feel like that's a shame. Mm-hmm. That the only person, only people we can think of that are willing to say is Job and Paul. We don't know no Christians in our own circle that have shown and demonstrated us, take it. I'm still going to live for God and smile and love him. Preach his word. Be kind to people. The only people we can think of is in the Bible. Why We don't have no Christians today that can say, take it. TC, I'm coming for your new apartment. Take it. I know you just moved in. We're going we gonna to mess it up. So you you got to move again. So what? I didn't move before. It. <laughs> you can have it. Take it. Right. Move. <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? Oh, my goodness. We'd be so unstoppable. There'd be nothing. Because a lot of the things that stop us from serving God are these things. We will, we will turn away from God because we feel like we owe these things our allegiance. And if we could just say, you know what? Whether I live or die, God's going to be magnified. So, Lord, I'm just going to obey you. If you tell me what to do, that's what I'm going to do. Man, I just, that was something that hit me. That's why I put this scripture in there. And y'all can read the rest of it. And if you have more questions about it, because Paul right here is in some OG mode, right? This is, this is, this is a different level of walk with God. Because you can't threaten a man with death who's willing to die. You can't threaten a man with taking everything who's willing to give everything up. The threat is useless. Amen. All right. Stop share. And stop recording. Stop.